Are we streaming? We are streaming. Are we on YouTube streaming? We should be. Yeah, there's eight people watching. Oh, God. Oh. Uh, I got some chicken over there that's like half inside <laughs> its container. It's not a good scene. Uh, I'm worried to eat any of it, but I'm sure it's fine. Uh, yeah, maybe if you cook it longer, it would be better. I'd... Yeah, so I like set it out to thaw, but I set it out to thaw on top of the sous vide. And so now it's like I looked underneath the container and it's starting to cook. I'm concerned. Mm. But... Wait, hold on. You're sous vide chicken? Is that what you just said? I'm going to sous vide the chicken, but right now it's in the container just thawing out. Then I was going to mm. just put it in the sous vide, but I left it over there too long and it actually started to cook on top, on top of the sous vide, not actually oh. in the sous vide. I have not tried chicken. What's the world the coming sous vide to? I know. Chicken. Sous vide chicken's amazing. That's not yeah. weird at all. No, that's normal. Yeah, it's it's uh, boiled chicken, actually. It's boiled in the bag. That makes it fresher. <laughs> we can get into semantics here. <laughs> right now it's cooking in its own original uh, container. I don't know. Uh, its own original container. I got it. Yeah. No, actually, sous vide steaks are amazing. Sous vide amazing. steaks are amazing. They really are. Uh, yeah, it's totally worth it. If you don't have a uh, sous vide and you haven't tried this, then... Uh, Definitely should. But whenever you tell people about it, always say, oh, yes, we're going to boil steaks tonight, and they will definitely <laughs> think it's going to be delicious. Every time. <laughs> we're going to boil steaks in plastic bags. How's that sound? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, think about it. Everyone's like, mm, I don't know. No, no, Can we no, do no, this no, on the grill, please? No, no, no. Like, once I get it out of this boiled bag, then we're going to put yeah. it on the grill. The no, it's, it's a French method that makes yeah. it much better. It means water bath. <laughs> precision good uh, it's it's precise we what should probably do the news what i'm getting oh, uh, we just here to joke more. around <laughs> are we gonna do this for real nah nah we're totally not also i i totally want the control where i can make the chat thing come up so you, you want, had to you use wanna... uh the login, login. Oh, i didn't use the login Ah, we told you about the login. Remember, I didn't know. you read my very specific instructions about no. how to log into the system no. and what passwords to use? You, I ignored that. Yeah, <laughs> we get a lot of emails every day. So, uh, you know, I feel like you're happier if you ignore half of them. Ooh, sous vide corner, Bob. That sounds delicious. Mm. Mm-hmm. How could that mm-hmm. possibly go bad? There you go, Jason. Oh, thank you. Just, That's... just butter. Just <laughs> an hour in butter. <laughs> just have you tried? Butter makes everything better. <laughs> have you tried cooking corn and butter? It's delicious. What? <laughs> Blasphemy. So, uh, I mean, honestly, there's no doubt in my mind that would be delicious. <laughs> just boil it in butter. So on one hand, I, I feel like people tune in for the news. And on the other hand, I, this stuff ends up in the recording and people still continue to listen to the podcast. So our numbers are going up. It's really amazing. I, have to say, I do. I do trim this um, from the podcast. Usually, oh, This is why oh, I don't trim the butter. <laughs> this, yeah, this is the. Yeah, butter. I, I, the, I, the podcast is, gets a lot more editing than the video. Oh, yeah. Very fun. Wait, but if it's good stuff, I keep it. Yeah. Do you actually do news on this show? <laughs> yeah, we do the pre-show nah. pre-show banter before the news show banter. It's, yeah, it's... you gotta listen. It's always good. <laughs> no, That's right. You never like know what that... you're gonna get. Yeah, someone got like a friend to tune in. They're like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. It gets better. Like, no, it gets better. It gets better. <laughs> it gets better. I was there when they were talking about sous vide, and then it just went downhill. Uh, so. High Honestly, point was just the made music. Me music was, was the high point. <laughs> so this is really right. weird. I got this all set up. I've got a kitchen. I can get a drink of water right here. It's working really nice. From the setup here, I could literally do a cooking show. I just got to move yeah, the computer for, and everything over. Yeah, hey, for, every, for everyone who doesn't know, John, that's actually his studio. He actually has a full studio it's a house. Yeah, yeah full it's studio house. And he is starting a cooking show for everyone who doesn't know. It's going to be amazing. I'm we, just kidding. We, we talk, well, actually, Jason, there are some segments. 
cooking yeah. with John. We need to add some cooking <laughs> with John segment for 24 hour pre-show banter con. Yeah. It's only, there we go. <laughs> All right, everybody. I'll do white Russians. I'll do white Russians and redneck sous vide. <laughs> I'm already very excited about every bit of this. So I, I got people, I got people all the time. They're like, well, sous vide, it's get, you got to get it at 130 degrees and you got to hold it there. It's like 130 degrees is literally the temperature that most people, you can turn up your hot water heater. It'll come out at like 120, 130. Hmm. So you can just basically make it so your your sink drains slowly and just keep putting in hot water from your hot water heater. It's free sous vide. So there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> yep. And attack in your kitchen with John. Ooh. Yeah, there we go. Dale Hobbs, just to let you know, we're live, even though we're talking about these things right now. We are live. So just in case. And uh, Alex just said pre-show BanterCon. Yes, yes. A 24-hour pre-show BanterCon. Essentially, it's going to be... What do we call it? Jumping the shark? It's jumping the yes. shark for BHIS. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to wear a leather jacket and it's going to be, it's, it's going to be water skiing over the shark. Why don't we get Marcello back in here? Like Marcello is just listening. He knows how to, doesn't he? Can we get Marcello a link to come and join us, please? Yeah. So, Isn't he still in the, in the, he, the thing? There? He does not get access to that channel. So I'm going to click on it you and get Marcello's special access to that. channel. We totally need to get Marcello back in here. Cause yeah, uh, I, I just, I miss him horribly. I'm still waiting for my box to show up in my house. Marcello mm. <laughs> <laughs> plan to infiltrate. His employer. Yeah, Marcello. I love how we don't know what the what's in the box. Just like all the what's podcasts the box, that we start John? with. Him. What's in the when box? What's in the box? When he's finishing telling his story and nobody knows what the context was. That's that's, that's okay, so but... Marcello. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Marcello, you have access to the news prep and Discord, and so if you want to jump onto that link that Ryan has in there to join the newscast, feel free to do so. Or if you're just driving or doing any other thing in life, you know what? Stop what you're doing and come on in. <laughs> just on. Yeah. I'm literally driving right now. Yeah. Cool. Are we ready to kick this off? Sure. I'm going to hit the it. video. Oh, you know. Cut you off, Jason, but now you're back. <laughs> yeah. I was just, I was like, wait, I got, so we're not streaming live on YouTube? And then I was like, wait, never mind, never mind. I know. No, no, we're, we're, we're streaming now. We're streaming. By the way, Ryan, we've got to get a video of, um, of Bo doing the Cyber Viking dance to his own music. Because that okay. would just be multiple layers of awkward to make that happen. Um, so, everybody, <laughs> welcome to Black Hills Information Security Talking About News. I, my name is John Strand. Today, I am joined by Ralph and Ryan and Jason, <gasps> but we have someone else new here as well. We have Dale Hobbs from the Great White North. Uh, so, Dale, say hi to everybody. And his oh, mic is off. Boy, that was a total, <laughs> that was a total, come out on stage and trip on your dress at the Oscars moment. Well done. Oh, yeah. It will never be that bad. What is the furry little critter behind you? Like, I noticed you got a critter and you have cages. Is, is that a fraggle? No, he's still off. So he just said, yes. Yeah, so Check your settings in, uh, in I, the restream. You I collect, do that. I collect fraggles and I keep them in cages. I caught this one that was traveling around and he said that he was the fraggle's uncle. And he was telling them about the outer space and things like that. And there's a trash heap involved in the entire thing. And I'm running out of fraggle rock references while he's getting his mic working so so we'll let, we'll, we'll let dale get his mic working here on as we go through there we go now there we hear you go. Go. so tell us about oh, so what's goodness. the critter in the background it's uh my lunch i'm growing it it's oh. a rabbit oh, oh that's great <laughs> oh, it's so that, that's even worse that's even that worse was... than what i said oh that went so dark so fast <laughs> that's just kind of, wow we lost my, three viewers sorry it's my daughter's <laughs> it's my daughter's pet it's my daughter's <laughs> pet and it's my lunch it's so so bad so okay well that that killed the mood thanks we have not only do we have rabbits, we have we have puppies too. Oh, puppies! Yeah, you're, you're not going to eat that, are you? <laughs> I just want to no, clarify. No. No. That's adorable. Oh yeah, it's an Australian adorable. Shepherd. He is. Yes, yeah, nice. we've had him for two days. So, oh wow! And he just lays at your feet already. 
He lays my feet. Yeah, he's a good little That's dog. a well-trained puppy. That's very good. A lot of hard work in the last two days. Yep. Well, in addition to talking about like furry critters and how amazing they are to actually keep our feet warm, we also talk about the news on the show, ideally, <laughs> when we do this. So what's our first news story for the day? I know Ralph did all the hard work in actually picking three news stories, so let's let him kick it off. Well, let me first start and say that I did not find all of them. Our great little news team that posts all the links actually helped with this. But uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and <laughs> let's start it off, right? So this is the one that you wanted to talk about, John, and um, yep. it's the uh, FBI. Ah. Yeah, they are doing remotely hacking hundreds of computers to protect them from other hackers. Yes. Um, so anyways, uh, for everyone who doesn't know, this, I believe, is the, uh, the exploit with uh, Exchange, right? Yeah, so Microsoft Exchange mm-hmm. customers, they are getting targeted by the FBI. If you're vulnerable, they will hack you to protect you. What do you guys think Yay. about this? It's amazing, right? All they wanted so. was a thank you, but now they're getting all this press. So, so yeah, that's, that's all they wanted. It's, it's, I mean, it's like they're trying too hard to get the likes, man. Too hard for the Instagram likes. So, so let me prop up the bigger question here, though, right? So we've talked about this before. And, okay, so the FBI doing it kind of changes the perspective. But the big question is, should you exploit a vulnerability on a, you know, not authorized to, in turn, patch or fix that vulnerability for the greater well, good wait, of that organization? Wait, technically, they weren't exploiting the vulnerability. What they were doing is they were taking advantage of the web shell to access the systems to remove the web shell. So a little bit different. A little bit different, but that clarification is, is important. John, is this like the thing where you talked about releasing malware into your environment to see if it can find the other <laughs> malware in the environment? It can be. It can be. Um, we, I just realized uh, in our live stream with Restream, we're going to need something that says John monologuing as like a warning banner, just so people know. <laughs> we can be like, Ryan, cue the banner. Um, all right. So a little bit of background on this. Um, it's kind of interesting. Whenever I was on the... Um, SC Media, they had a big thing last week, and I was on there, and they uh, were talking to me about this. It was interesting because when you're reading the news stories and you're looking at the quotes, one of the things that people say is, this is unprecedented. I can't believe they did this. And then people associate with like, we took the unprecedented step. And one of the advantages that I have in this industry right now over a lot of people is that I'm old and I've been around a long time. <laughs> this is not new. Uh, it, it, I know a lot of people are trying to spin this as some kind of like amazingly new idea and concept in information security, and it's not. If you want an example, look at the United States versus Walladeck. So what happened in that is a judge issued an ex parte injunction against the Walladeck bot herders back in 2010 and basically said that the United States government could take means to degrade the botnet. And an ex parte injunction means that you're filing an injunction against parties that you do not expect to be present. And so like, if you're a bot herder and there's a judge in a case and a ruling, you don't expect the bot herders to show up and basically say, you know, you can do this or you can't do this or fighting it in court. So what happened is the United States Marshals, working in conjunction with Microsoft, went through and took over some of the DNS servers associated with the botnet and then also took, quote unquote, other technical measures to degrade the botnet. Now, what exactly would be a legal international precedent for doing this? Because my son is getting uh, milk. I don't know. He just went up. This is awesome. He's <laughs> like, yo, everybody, what's up? Uh, of course, you know what the, sucks? Once again, his, his Discord channel has more people than my Discord channel, and he does Minecraft <laughs> stuff. So that's, that's awesome. That's great. There he goes. He's like, so We're my dad's doing his, his little, he's doing his little thing upstairs. He thinks he's all He's just legit. got a couple people watching today. That's only. Yeah, just, you know, just a handful of people. So I got to shut the door I, here and lock it. <laughs> um, so, so you have the I'm United not States. Sure. Uh, What's I was going to say, I'm not sure why you let your kid in, in your studio, but whatever. <laughs> well, it's technically now my kitchen and living room as well. So, <laughs> no, I'm just all right. See, so, Sean grows his own food, too. <laughs> right, exactly. So, um, so Walladeck versus the United States is an example where the United States, um, work, working with the, uh, or actually the Department of Justice, working with the United States Marshals and Microsoft, reduced the capabilities of the spotnet and took other technical measures to destroy the botnet. 
Now, is there any other legal case from an international perspective where you can take over systems that aren't yours? Well, it turns out there is. There's actually some conversation uh, that's brewing in the international community and various organizations like CIPRI, where they're trying to use international maritime law, where you can apply international maritime law to computer systems that are taken over, possibly. So this is conversations that are happening. An example would be if you're out on the seas sailing like a captain, you got a boat with your flippy floppies. One of the things that you should know is that there's only two groups that you can open fire on without an open declared act of war. One of them is slave traders, and the second one is pirates. So if you're looking at a piracy example, if a pirate takes over a boat, that boat is owned and was purchased by someone else. And if you sink the pirate ship, you cannot be held liable to the damage that you did to that boat that was in possession of pirates. So that's a really long kind of monologue type thing. But hopefully that sets some background and some context associated with Walladect and, uh, and also dealing with international piracy and maritime law. So that was my long like monologue for this particular topic. Now, does it apply to this one? And do we think it's actually a good idea? Honestly, I think that's, I don't know, what do you guys think? Dale, do you have any thoughts that's a good idea for the government taking over people's computer systems to protect people's computer systems? Uh, I would probably not be in favor of that myself. I, I know I wouldn't be too happy with someone taking over my system, regardless of what the reason was for it. Yeah. But I mean, don't know what the rules are in Canada or in the United States versus Canada, but you know, it's not really something we're too keen on here. So yeah, almost every single country has laws that, you know, you can't take over computer systems without permission of the owner. So, so does this qualify? I don't know. I think it's interesting, but it's not unprecedented. It has been done before. It will be done moving over in the future. But my concern is like, how far does the slippery slope actually go? And it's not just the United States. Do we have any other countries out there that are like, well, I want to hire hackers to take over computer systems of political dissidents in my country? And where does that actually end as well? So what about like physical security? If you see somebody that has a gate that's, I don't know, got a bad lock on it, are you able to go put a better lock on it? Or can you go into someone's bank and say like, ah, oh, I see your safe isn't very good here. Let me fix it for you. Is that... You you absolutely can, but that usually means they call police on you because that never goes well ever under any circumstance. Of course, we got some people. Sam Acker said, "Eye patches are the new hacker hoodie." I like that. That's a good idea. It's kind of like the trusted sec logo. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God! There's Marcello. Shouldn't you be yeah, driving? Driving. <laughs> driving? No, I'm not driving. Why am I driving? I don't know. Ryan said that you oh. were driving at the time. Oh, like you were clearly I driving. Mean- if I, no, I, I said then... that, I was joking. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were serious that he was driving. <laughs> no, I was just joking. Like, he's, <laughs> like you know, he might not be in a position to join the show, but, you know, oh, if you okay. are, you know. Yeah. We'd uh, love to have you. It's kind of like, right. no, no, no. I got the car. It's on autopilot. I podcast all the time while it's on autopilot. <laughs> this seems like a legit use of this technology. So. I am driving. I must have taken some really strong coffee this morning because I didn't even realize. That's uh, not coffee. All right. All right. So, Marcello, check your mic to make sure it's the right one. And two, I once John started monologuing, I had time to go prepare all my chicken for sous vide with different toppings and marinades and everything and got back just as he was wrapping up. There you go. That was perfect timing. It was a sous vide. Wow. It was a sous vide dinner monologue. So I can tell this is going to go. We do the 24 hour pre-show banter. It's like, up, oh, up. Oh, John's got a soapbox. He like calls his daughter over. When he stops talking, wake me up. Is it going to be it? No, no, it's going to be like an hour and a half. I get this nap done. Uh, you know what I really want to get for that? instructor thing. That never-ending pre-show banter would be like just dartboard to throw at, uh, you know, targets when stuff happens. For example, when war store, stories start or, you know, whenever, you know, or other examples when you have to drink, you know, during the show because they start going back into something else that they've already talked about 14 times, you know. It's like, oh, did so. Jason turn this into an eight-hour live stream about job hunting? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if, they, if they talk about job hunting, you got to throw a dart. Yeah, perfect. I mean, I don't know. There could be tons of that, right? So yeah. Much. All right. <laughs> next, all right. Well, next that's article. there. That's, yep, next, next article. Yeah, next next article. Oh, I think that's a good transition, actually. Oh, yeah. Okay. So before we start this one, 
not to why, get political. Why are they, why are they arresting Tosh.0, like Daniel Tosh in that picture? <laughs> <laughs> Did he finally cross no the line? Like, um, so ransomware is still a thing, but outside of ransomware, who is conducting these ransomware activities is really the topic of this article. And more importantly, where they live is really something that we should be considering. So in the article, they are referencing the fact that Russia is harboring or pretty much no enforcement for anybody who launches attacks or ransomware, as long as it's not on Russia company. So it's great. But uh, yeah, so Russia doesn't care if you're a ransomware operator in Russia and everyone knows it. So a lot of operations are going there. And when they get found who they are, they live in Russia. So there's nothing they can do. So Russia's like isn't the this, safe isn't harbor this, for ransomware. Isn't this something we've known for a long time? Like I remember the video like 10 years ago or so where there was a guy that was like, yeah, you come here, you work with me and you know, I'll give you tools to do a number of different cyber attacks and then I'll basically walk you through the attorneys that, you know, and how much it's going to cost if you get caught in Russia. And this is my car. That's my house. Like this has been kind of, we've known this for a while, right? I mean, it's kind of like, we're now saying the quiet part out loud. And I think that that's refreshing. So thank you. Russia. <laughs> I mean, so, but they should they like, or I mean, I, what, what are we going to do? First of all, cause you know, there's not a whole lot of, enforcement here and there hasn't been for like what you've said for a very long time okay especially from a cyber standpoint i mean that's where the linkedin hacker was as well and it took us five years to finally catch him in prague is the only way we got him because he was on vacation so i mean the secret for being a russian hacker is don't leave russia that's like the first rule about being a russian hacker yeah don't leave russia once you're there <laughs> you're, you're there just ask just ask Edward Snowden, right? I'm sure. Uh, what would he know about? He's <laughs> like, this won't, this won't be bad for me. Like, I won't be in Russia for the rest of my. Oh crap! Yes, you are. Um, <laughs> I saw an interview with him recently where he was like, "Yeah, learning Russian is really hard." I'm like, "You should, probably should have thought of that crap before you decided to go to Russia." But no, I, I think it's somewhat. I think it's somewhat. I, I do think it's somewhat liberating whenever there's a little bit of honesty, like if. Because then everybody knows, right? Like, we can get mad. You can bend out of shape of it. But I absolutely hate the theater of, it's like, you know, Russia's quit hacking our stuff. Oh, we're not hacking you. No, that must have been Ukraine. It was Ukraine. That's right. No, let's just get it out on the open. And I hope the United States does this, too. Like, you're like, well, we're going to use the NSA and we're going to start doing these things. Let's just be honest. I, I, you know, honesty is the best way to go about this, rather than us all knowing what's really going on. And we, we basically just tiptoe around it. Here's what I hope. A few years from now, there's a cybersecurity company in Russia that has a news thing that they're doing, and they're like talking about what the NSA did, the fact that the, yeah. the Kremlin just went in and like captured all these web shells and fixed all these computer systems, and we're just sitting there like, oh, these guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, okay, so but that actually gets to a point, right? You know, we talk about what Russia's doing many times, and people are like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. The Russians are. And we just got done talking about this news story where the United States is working with Microsoft to hack into a bunch of computer systems through web shells to remove it. Now, I, I know people are like, well, no, we're doing it for all the right reasons, right? But still, you're gaining unauthorized access to systems without people's permission at, at the end of the day. Now, I know there's ransomware and there's, of course, some level of gradient. But as far as, you know, taking over systems and possibly causing damage, uh, that's kind of a bit scary. It really is. Yeah, and I, I think in the article, too, they're kind of talking about the fact that it's not just the Russian state-sponsored. It's also just anybody who lives in Russia, if they want to be in a cyber criminal organization, it's a good place to hang out, right? It's like the state where you can not get in trouble, you know? Yeah. You can still make money off of this and make it a criminal enterprise. And, you know, as long as they don't hack Russia, but, no, nobody cares. So I do wonder just how big this economy can actually get, or like... I know that there's articles that come out and they talk about the economy of ransomware. They talk about the economy of hacking. At what point does Russia look at this and be like, you know, there's almost as much money in this as there is like in oil and gas. And they can keep throwing sanctions <laughs> up on oil and gas. But when it comes to cyber attacks, that's that's there's a lot of money in this stuff. Like it, it literally could be a significant portion of a country's economy for sure that, that's that's their number one like gdp item it's like <laughs> are we talking about north korea now because yeah absolutely <laughs> north korea. 
That's that's it. They they produce uh, hacks, and that's that's their, how they make money as a as a country yep. by hacking other people. And Blake just pointed out said often malware will check for Russian language pack and see if it's installed and uh, stand down if not in place. And actually, I believe the United States some malware that has been generally attributed to the United States did something very similar. It didn't fire unless Arabic was the language pack on it. I think it was flame. Mm. I'm not exactly sure. But I do think it was Flame. It was, it was some malware that did something similar as well. All my Windows computers have all language packs installed. <laughs> all the time, right? All the time. All the time. Just, just set them I mean, up. You can install all of them and still use English. Just a heads up in case anyone's wondering. Like That's yeah. an option. <laughs> <laughs> just be a lot of language packs. Why do I have Swahili on this damn thing? Well, so. You never know. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> But no, right, like I said, I could avoid. Like I said, I love the honesty. Uh, that's that's just what we need. It makes everything so much easier at the end of the day. But I wonder how many how many like hackers in Europe and stuff are like, oh well, it seems like Russia is the place you ought to be. And it's like, you know, all of a sudden they pile up all their possessions and cue the Beverly Hillbillies theme, and off they go. That's what it is. Yep. It's like what it is. You just wrote a really cool short story. <laughs> it should be it should be a series like it's the next mr robot when they load up all their stuff it'd be like a mix-up of borat the beverly hillbillies and mr robot take those three things together turn it into a series and, and that's where you're at although it might actually be tiger team um coming back it may be the same thing sorry we'll add it to the zine that'll be episode. there you go actually there you go there's one reoccurring comic we gotta we gotta do that in the zine that's coming out Oh, by the way, everybody, we're coming out with the zine. Yeah. All right. So, what other story do we got? We uh, we got another one by uh, oh, VMware. So for people who don't know, VMware bought Carbon Black, which is really cool for VMware. Very bad for Carbon Black. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> Carbon Black has a, what is it, authentication bypass, actually. So um, one of the URL for the administrative interface, uh, you can use this to, um, get a, to bypass the authentication right on the page and take over carbon black and then move from there to the API and kind of, you know, take over this, uh, security product. Right. So I, I know this is, you know, kind of a, a small story about, you know, uh, vulnerability and carbon black's particular product, but I have seen a bunch of these come up with different endpoint security products and other ways that they are you know, like rootkits and, you know, have full control of the system. And then when they're exploited, you get gain that control. In this case, this is the administration interface for Carbon Black as opposed to necessarily an endpoint, but, you know, just security product failures and how bad that can be for the entire organization. So if you were to take over Car Carbon Black in this example, you would now be able to control all those machines in any of those settings that are getting, you know, uh, processed inside of that uh, system, right? So just bad for business and more importantly just any of your security products can be one of your bigger achilles heels inside of your organization right when attacks like this happen well and this also gets into kind of the supply chain conversations right like solar yep. winds everyone kind of freaks out about solar winds but whenever you have this type of vulnerability that shows up honestly this is this is kind of the same thing right um it just depends on whether or not it's a zero day as well and i thought there was a new supply chain like possible supply chain hack that came up for Code Cove, I don't know if you're familiar with Code Cove. Nope, never heard of it. What do they do? So Code Cove is the source code analysis company. So they, it looks like they might be compromised, and it looks like they might have like multiple thousands of customers that have been compromised as well. So yeah, check out the code. Keep your eyes on the Code Cove space. But this is the same type of thing, right? You know, if you're looking at a vulnerability in something like Carbon Black, or if it's Code Cove, or if you're looking at Solar Winds or any of these different things, you ultimately, when you're developing a security architecture, you shouldn't have your security architecture that if one thing is compromised, you're screwed. You need to have multiple overlapping fields of visibility. At least that's what I think. Yeah, we pulled up the article here for, uh, I think this was on The Verge, right? They're looking yes. into the attack. They said that it had been going on for a while, like you were saying. Supply chain attack that you know goes undetected for a while, and we don't know yet. I, don't, I think... They're saying they're still investigating it. I don't know if all the details come out. So it's like months and months later, we're seeing some of the ramifications of it. Uh, supply chain is scary. I was going to make a joke about just giving a service account to your network to a three-letter agency of the United States government. But then I was worried that they might actually call. 
so never mind. <laughs> yeah. Because they've, they've called before, and it, it's, it's terrifying when it comes up on the caller ID. So that's just... What, is, what does it say on the caller ID? Does it say you're screwed? Or like, no, what, it, you know, it like just, we, it, we know it's you? Or it spells what? out all three letters of the agency. Uh-huh. <laughs> just yeah. spells it right And that's out. it? That's enough? That, that's all you need. Like, that's what comes Do you let it go to voicemail or do you pick up right away? <laughs> voicemail for sure. <laughs> See, I hate that because anytime my family members get those calls, like immediately they call me and they're like, John, John, you worked with the NSA, right? And I'm like, well, not, I didn't work for them. And they're like, yeah, well, I got this phone call from them and I just wanted to see if you could check in on it. It's like, uh, do you know someone who knows someone who could call yeah, this and isn't, see what this is about? <laughs> this isn't like CSI where I'm like, okay, I got a buddy. I checked on your call, <laughs> Uncle Carl. And uh, yeah, it turns out that was, that was legit. They have some questions for you. <laughs> they, have, they actually have some real questions you might want to answer. I, I couldn't yeah, you might, ask you might want to, so, so I don't know, but apparently you got curious with uh, jihadi websites. And yeah, they want to make sure that you're a red-blooded American. They're going to ask you questions about baseball. They're going to give you the American test. Don't worry, you'll pass it with flying colors. I can't tell you what's on it. But I think you'll do just fine. It's okay. I know you didn't sign up for this, but it's actually a full scope poly, so get ready. <laughs> get ready. <laughs> you don't pass on purpose. So, 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 John, they were asking me about sex with animals. Why would they do that? Well, two things. One, it shouldn't be that big of a deal. And two, that should be the easiest question you answer out of that full scope poly, Uncle. You, Carl, you just go with it. So, no, so, I, I don't know why people do that. So uh, uh, back to the article, though. So should we be worried, more worried about supply chain stuff? Or yes. is this just the new attack surface? I, it's not new. Okay, so it be, full disclosure, it is not new. But it appears recently it is being more heavily targeted. That's all. It appears, right? Maybe just more publicly as well, right? I do think that it is more heavily targeted because, you know, I've talked about this in the past. When Adobe Acrobat started coming out with vulnerabilities, it was like every hacker on the planet started swarming in on vulnerabilities, specifically dealing with compression like U3D and flat decode and things of that nature. And then you had Java. There was like, oh, there's no zero. There's no vulnerabilities in Java. And then all of a sudden, like, oopsies. Yes, there is. Uh, and it was like every hacker focused in on it. And now we're kind of in this exchange kind of swirl. But I think that that's the same thing. I think that SolarWinds was so successful that there are people in various foreign governments and they're like, holy crap, that worked really well. Are there any other organizations that we can compromise that would get us access to literally thousands of other environments? So I think it's going to be like this for a while because I, I do believe that this has always been a target, but because it was in the news and there's clearly somebody opening up a newspaper in Russia and like, well, but this worked. We need to do more of this. And it's just going to be like that for a while. Okay, so this is like Deep Impact and Armageddon. Together. Mixed. No, 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 no. it's more like Die Hard 4.0, actually, to be honest. No, what I'm saying 4.0. You got the Deep Impact movie and then Armageddon, or Armageddon and Deep Impact. They came out around the same time. Then you had Ants, oh, I see. and you had A Bug's Life. So, same stuff. I, yeah, I don't know where you got Bug's Life, but... <laughs> yeah, no, no Ants. It was a movie. Too. No, I, I got it. it. It's just like the, the Hollywood goes and like... Like, you know, they came out with Bugs Life and then they came out with Ants or they came out with Ants okay, and okay. they came out with yeah, Bugs yeah, Life. Yeah, and yeah. then they were talking right. about asteroid world ending movies. They did two of them very, very quickly. Mm. So I see what he's talking. Yes, yeah. I, I think it's exactly like that, yes. where once something is successful, it just starts happening again and again and again. So we're all supposed to now do code review for the products that we use. <laughs> But see, that's just it. It's not even code review. If it's compiled code and you're downloading it, uh, but, oh my god, yeah. I'm just so that opens the up dumb all question, kinds. Right? That opens up all kinds of nightmares because you can totally see managers at companies being like, "We're not going to download any code into this environment unless my team has assessed it first. And like everybody's like, oh, "We know you're an idiot because you just said that out loud to everybody." <laughs> I think we talked about this too, right? As soon as the Solar Winds breach kind of came out, we we were like. Well, what do you do? And it was kind of like, mm, no, what we can do. I mean, we're definitely not going to be reviewing all the code. I mean, I don't have time for that. Eventually, I got to trust somebody. And then everyone's like, well, I'm only going to run the most trusted code that I've personally reviewed. It's like, how can you be that good at so, all those different products, right? Why can't yeah. we take the file that we expect it to be and put it on the USB and then take the new file and then see if they weigh the same? 
Ah, we you know what? We, said, hold on, hold on. That. We could use blockchain Shit. technology to make to weigh, sure <laughs> to weigh the malware. <sighs> yeah, this is brilliant. No, no, no. We could use blockchain. Blockchain. I'm telling you. I think. Don't blockchain. give vendors any idea. Don't give vendors yeah. any idea, guys. Like, Marcello, I gotta, I gotta ask you though. Whenever you see this stuff blowing up, and like, you know, you have these code repositories with vulnerabilities. You have Solar Winds. Do you ever like, like, look at all this crap, and you're like, but I'm the problem. Like, like me doing an open source backdoor. I'm the problem in computer security. Right. Uh, I mean, if I did, I, I might have to see a therapist, but, uh, <laughs> I don't, I, no, I don't. I, I, I mean, I don't, I, I don't think I am the problem, I think. Um, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I mean, I might get called out on it for being the problem for some reason. However, I think, I think it's like, it's a huge issue. And I do agree that Ryan, I do agree with Brian that it's becoming more popular just because it's the more efficient way of getting access to stuff. Like it's just obvious. That's, that's how you, that's how you do it. Usually the third parties are soft targets. Yeah. And you've got to almost like be wondering like the, the company, when you're looking at code cove, they're like, please, please can someone check our passwords and make sure that no one used a password of code cove 2020 um, or code cove one, two, three. <laughs> Because that's just <laughs> embarrassing as hell, if that's the case. Well, the first thing now, like the first breach response is immediately, let's go check all passwords for our company name. Like, maybe we should have done that before. Like, wait, Yeah, but you know, you know, if you don't, somebody is going to do it for you and they're going to post a blog post about it, like in very short order. It's like as soon as this hits. You know, there's there's people immediately doing password sprays against the company uh, just, to, just to double check for you. I'm, I'm telling you that that is the playbook now. As soon as you get compromised is to go to make sure there's no company name number. That's 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 the first play, because you know what? Here's my opinion. Maybe we should do that first. Right. Yeah, that so, might not be a bad idea. One one more bad idea is that all oh, here we go. security companies are hiring a special intern this summer. <laughs> they're like so what do i do you just sit there just wait just just wait just in case just in case listen so we're gonna this, this get ASOC. we've been we've yes. been breached we've been breached get asoc have him try all the passwords now you do not have to do anything there may come a day that we have to say goodbye but just expect that <laughs> hopefully a long time so long i just time. i just sit here you just sit yeah. yes just oh Oh, oh, the CEO's getting ready to testify for Congress. ASOC, you ready? For what? Good. Good. Here, put on this helmet. Why do I need a helmet, you guys? It's, it's the only line in the job description. Scapegoat. Scapegoat. <laughs> and it's not in lead speak. You're like, oh, cool. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah, no, you, you would have to you'd have to gloss that one up a little bit. But I can imagine there are a couple people who'd be like, I'd do it. I'd oh, just I just sit here and I get blamed for things? Yes. Oh, it's like Isn't that, wait a minute. Oh. Isn't that the job of the CISO? <laughs> Good point, ASOC. You've been promoted. You've been promoted. <laughs> you are now allowed to join our meetings. Yeah. So, what do you know about security? Absolutely nothing. You're perfect. So, wow. God, we're so bitter today. This is a bad oh. show. <laughs> so nihilistic. <Yeah. laughs> so, oh, we we invented a job for a security team. <laughs> We didn't invent a job. It's more like we discovered one that was already there. Like blame the intern, blame the sysadmin. See, every every company has a sysadmin or a help desk person that you're just like this. This person is just worthless. Like they're just not doing a very good job. They. I, I've always had this game of you know beat the rock. Like when I was at Accenture and, and Northrop Grumman and places like that, where you know it's like here's a rock. The rock does nothing. The thing I want you to do over the next three to four weeks is I want you to beat the rock because <laughs> the rock will do nothing of any value, but the rock's also not going to hurt anything either. So at the end of three weeks, we're going to do a performance comparison between you versus the rock. So beat the rock. So. Oh, so this is going to be at least an hour segment. It's like motivational talks. Right? Yeah, motivational so talks. Just <laughs> how, how to think through your job, right? Welcome back yeah. to the 18th hour of the pre-show band. Yeah. Here we go. Next up, John's going to start cooking and his 
Sun's going to make cereal, and we're going to comment on that for like half an hour. So we'll join I honestly don't channel. think we're going to run out of ideas, weirdly enough, for all of us. No. <laughs> no. Oh, I think there's going to be some dead spots, but that's okay. That's all right. Oh, there's never a dead spot. Never a dead spot. <laughs> M, what is it? B. Moliny uh, just said Dwayne Johnson shows up, and he's like, you know, what's the rock coding? Um, there we go. I like it. <laughs> so if perfect we get, voice. Perfect, too. If we could get Dwayne Johnson in here, I can't do the eyebrows, but if we could get Dwayne Johnson, that would be awesome. So Jason, work on that. Wait, Jason, yeah, get, could you just go ahead and get, get that? Uh, take care we should of. get Lauren. Get Lauren on that. She'll All probably right. get that stupid. She'll probably make it happen. Mm-hmm. Like do- John, I got Dwayne to show up. He was really nice. Um, uh, but yeah, he's going to be showing up now. It's like God damn it. So do do we have do we have somebody for that? Just like talent acquisition. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yes. So, she, so a little bit of background. Team. She's on my. Team. Yeah, she's on Jason's team. She's my daughter, and I, I don't want to say I hate her, but I'm very frustrated with her because you know when she left the house, uh, she got uh, a speeding ticket, and uh, of course she's under my insurance, and I'm like, so honey, what do we learn about speeding? And she goes, oh, but. I don't know. It's just my first speeding ticket. I've had like eight warning tickets in the last year. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> she's like, yeah, I've got eight warning tickets. She's got them all in her glove box. And she's like constantly getting pulled oh, no. over and always getting off of the speeding ticket. She's just like, well, so is this about the ratio that normal people get speeding tickets? Like eight warnings and one ticket? I'm like, that's not at all how that works, honey. So yeah, she probably could get Dwayne The Rock Johnson to mm-hmm. show up for sure. Perfect. We did have uh, one last article. New really? stuff. Uh-oh. Yeah, no. We're, yeah, I forgot we were talking about the news. Oh my I know, god! I know. I like to bring did it we back. just talk about this? Did we? Because I don't remember. A couple of weeks ago, it. I think we did. I think we did talk about Project Zero. So go ahead and tell. No, us no. About. Yeah, so we talked about Project Zero, but I don't think we talked about them cutting their disclosure timeline to now thirty days from what was sixty days, I believe. So oh they are ninety. It was ninety. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was so ninety. Three times yeah, three. yeah. So they're cutting their disclosure grace period from ninety days to thirty days. Okay, so you have a lot less time. And for everyone who might not know or not realize, Project Zero is pretty good at this, and they actually do find a lot of stuff. So they're not giving you a whole lot of time to fix your uh, issues. Okay, the they are saying though technical details of the vulnerability will remain unpatched during the 90 day period, but they will disclose it within 30 days. Right. So I think this is just more like, hey, we're going to talk about it sooner uh, as opposed to necessarily like giving out the technical details. But just the act of stating that something is vulnerable, that this certain product is vulnerable could sometimes be enough to, you know, uh, motivation to figure out what's going on, right? So, Well, but this gets into the frustration. I mean, you know, anybody that's in this industry long enough, you're going to end up coordinating a disclosure with a vendor. And almost universally what happens is if you go to the vendor and you try to do responsible disclosure, coordinated disclosure, however we want to call it, almost always it means the vendor is in control of the disclosure process. And the vendor will always say things, well, this is going to take, you know, five months for us to fix and we need to do this. We need to go through QA testing. We need to have the attorneys make sure that you sign the NDAs and do all this garbage. And you can't talk about it. You can't talk about it at a con. We know that you submitted a call for paper four or five months ago, but we're still not ready to patch it. And they'll delay, they'll delay, they'll delay. But if something shows up and is immediately released on GitHub and it's out on Twitter and it's anonymously released, somehow, magically, those vulnerabilities are like patched and addressed in less than 24 hours. So Part of me, I totally get what, what Google's doing here. I mean, when you're, when you're looking at those types of disclosure timelines, when you're working with companies, a lot of times they're like, just, it's going to take forever. We're going to rewrite everything. But if it's actually released and that, that's, that crap's out there, then they somehow magically get that patched and get that fixed so, you know, in, a fort, you know, in, an, in an evening. So. Yeah. So and I just want to clarify this because I think I misstated just a little bit about this, uh, this article. I'm just reading it here. And they're saying that Specifically, they, the 90 days, what they're talking about, this is, I believe, targeted at the exchange that we just saw, right, with the, with the POCs and stuff. So mm-hmm. what, what they're saying is, is that they're moving to a 90-30 model, and the 30 days is an extension 
on the the technical details for the vulnerability right so after the patch is released they have 30 days so actually i I i'm absolutely wrong here this is the opposite this is actually a longer setup right as opposed to like a shorter one right Uh, well wait a minute wait a minute they it used to be they would wait longer to release the full technical details of it though is that's longer than 30 days yeah i think so um so basically yeah, that's what I thought that they were reducing is that window. Um, yeah, so, so so you have the 90 days, you're going to get that. But then when they're yeah. actually going to release full technical details is going down to 30 days at that point. Okay, okay. All right, that makes sense then. So I, I, I for some reason, thought it was 30 days before they released the vulnerability. and then, But actually, it's 90 days before they un, like announce it, right? And then 30 days after the patch... After the patch, it, it sounds like, but for the um, technical vulnerability, like of the details, right? So this is when they write up, "Hey, this is exactly what is wrong," right? But also, you know, the other thing that's kind of funny about this, though, that I, that I think is kind of weird, <laughs> is sometimes the, they don't give the full technical details, but sometimes their write-ups are technical enough that many yeah. security researchers can actually write an exploit. It's basically like, well, there's a possible vulnerability in this specific area of code in this specific application. Um, we're not going to release POC. We're not going to release all this stuff. But it's over there in that code section if you want to look into it. And a lot of security researchers, just from their, their high-level disclosure, can actually piece that together fairly quickly as well. It is interesting, though, because think about it. So Google has had this, you know, the policy and their vulnerability research is really good. And they have found a lot of very, very impactful, large vulnerabilities. And so I guess my bigger question is about like other organizations that possibly have the same level of, um, you know, resources inside of this and what their disclosure policy is. And, you know, should Google be necessarily setting the like that the tempo, right? Well, and I, I think that somebody has to set the tempo, and I'm glad that Google is. And the other thing that I think people have got to keep in mind is, Go- is that Google is keeping the seven-day release if it starts being actively exploited. So if, they are, if they're communicating with a, with a vendor, and they're basically saying, hey, this stuff's got to be fixed, you got to work with it, then they get that 60 or that 90 plus the 30. And then if at any point in that time they see an active exploit, they now get a seven-day window. And I don't think that's changing in this policy. So I think that that's still on play. Why doesn't Google just go in and fix these problems for the... They could do it for the other companies. You're right. Yeah, just... And all they need is just a percentage of that company. Yeah. Going Projects, Project Goofix or something. That's what we'll yeah, call it. I don't know. Goofix. I'm not in marketing. Yeah, I, they probably could. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, but God, it sucks working with vendors, though, on this stuff. It sucks so bad working with them you can just see like years and years and years of history just coming out in your face right now as you <laughs> thanks, thanks thanks you you said you were old i would like to think that you're experienced okay right it's that's, that's a little marketing touch for morning. you there yeah, there we go i'm sticking with old because i, I want to be jack daniels like he's my spirit creature like as okay, as funny. my beard grows and my hair goes away and or gets white hopefully that's where I want to be. I just want to become that really jaded old guy that speaks absolute truth that no one wants to hear. And they're like, but that guy's old, but he's right a lot. So that's kind of what I'm hoping happens. But so it it always is interesting to me, like whenever you're at conferences, I don't have a lot of people say this crap to me, but it seems to be a thing where they're like, well, how many CVEs do you have? And it's just like, (laughs) has someone actually said that to you? Never to me personally, but okay, apparently okay. that's like that's like a thing that's in the industry. Like when you're trying to get a job in security, they're like, well, how many CVEs have you published? And if I talk to somebody and they're basically like, well, I've had about seven CVEs. I'm like, I feel so bad for you. Here, let me buy you a beer. You know, that's that's not something you should be proud of, son. Um, <laughs> I you, did have one lot. guy. I did have one guy apply for a job. He was really hell bent on making known that are making sure I knew that he had published a CVE. That was really, he was really proud of that. I, I just don't know why. I think you and I talked about this, Dale, in the past. I, I think that that's, that's something you got to hang your hat on, right? But it's like, you know, okay, so a, a long, like, weird story. So a long, long time ago, I was at DEF CON and I was talking I to Popcorn. <laughs> I think it was Atlas of Doom and I can't remember who else. It might have been Viz- Visigoth, but they had won multiple different uh, black badges at DEF CON. And for the record, I have none. I've never competed because I would suck. 
And this one person came up and it was right in the middle of, I think, the Java vulnerability craze that we had been talking about earlier and just kind of butted in and was like, so guys, I want you to know I got a zero day for Java. And I remember one of them, it was either Visigoth or it was Atlas, looked at him and basically said, who doesn't? And I was like, oh, ouch, ouch, ouch. <laughs> and I was like, me, I'm the only one in this group that doesn't have one. That's, that's who I am. And did you raise your hand? You're like... I actually did. I, I said me. Okay. I've got zero right. uh, of them. So, but uh, but no, it's just these sad metrics and gatekeeping that we set up for ourselves. I suppose. I like this. A new idea for a one-hour webinar from Blake says working with vendors on responsible disclosure. It's a really easy webcast, Blake. It would literally be one slide, and it would just say "Don't." Um, like you, you know what you do. Okay, so what you do in the industry, and I'm, if you're going to start a pen testing company, this is what you do. Any vulnerabilities that you discover. Don't ever work with the vendor. And the reason why is the vendor is going to take hours, if not weeks, of your time from your company working with them to try to get this vulnerability coming up with like a patch, additional details. You're going to put hours and hours and hours into it, and you're not going to get a freaking dime. And then you'll be lucky if it ever gets patched or updated. What you do is you hand it off to your customer and you tell them to coordinate with the, with the uh, vendor. Now, what usually happens is they fix things a lot quicker. We had a customer that was a bank. And they were, uh, they came up with this vulnerability in a firewall. We came up with this vulnerability in this firewall vendor. And uh, we aren't going to talk to the vendor because screw that. I don't like burning my money in that way. I burn my money in other ways. But so what the vendor did is went to one of the ISACs for um, threat intel sharing groups and basically publicly went out and said, hey, this particular firewall has this vulnerability. You can bypass it by doing these things. And that was fixed probably within 24 hours. So that's one of the best ways to actually do disclosure. Let your customers do it for you because vendors will listen to their customers, not pen testers. Blake's writing this down. So there you go. So what happened to Sad Plant, Jason? Sad Plant? It looks like Sad Plant. He, he it looks really sad. Him. Looks like he hung himself. <laughs> 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 or he threw up. Like that's like vomit coming out of Sad Plant. It's just sad Plant. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, he's living he's, up to his his name. It's a new and improved sad plant. <sighs> Again, another one hour session on sad plant. <laughs> there we go. All right, everybody, welcome back from the break. We're back with sad plant. There you go. Now, now, Jason and I are going to let Sad Plan take over the 24-hour webcast for a two-hour session. Go, Sad Plan! We have 20 uh, you know, hours to go, everyone. We have 20 <laughs> hours to go. I'm telling you right now, don't miss this. This will be the funniest 24 hours. You're, you're overselling life. it. You're overselling it. <laughs> So Ryan, I want you to watch this whole thing, and I just want you to take all the good bits and put it into a one-hour, yeah. you know, session that we can put I'll out the highlights, highlight if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to do it. It'll so only be two hours long. Silence. So <laughs> yes. You can see that Ryan, at about hour fifteen, started taking mushrooms and started hitting the button very quickly. <laughs> so, well, that was all the news I had today, guys. No, that's good. I think I think that's yeah, good. I think yeah. we can shut it down. Just now. play us out. Just get it. Just play us out. Here we go. 